Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Group of five. Group of five live. Group of five. Group of five live. Are we talking about the American? Yeah. See USA. USA. Yeah. Mac. Mac. Yeah. Mountain West. Yeah. And the Sun Belt. Oh, yeah. Group of five. Group of five. Group of Five Live is part of the Landry Football Network. My name's Chris Mykoski, and on this episode, we are concentrating on the Sun Belt Conference. 3-0 and Saturday over the Big 12. That included the Ragin' Cajuns with a 31-14 win over 23rd-ranked Iowa State. Gerald Broussard is the color analyst for the Cajuns Radio Network, a three-year letter winner, team captain, class of 1984 graduate, and longtime assistant coach, vermilion and white running through his veins. Gerald, you're going back to 1996, the last time the Cajuns beat a ranked opponent, and you were the receivers coach at the time. Just take us back, first of all, to then and now. I mean, it's night and day, really, between the program, but – I mean, yesterday felt like the biggest win in school history. Yeah, and, and Chris, thank you. Thank you for having us on. And, and I wore my Sunbelt shirt, as you mentioned. Uh, <laughs> Sunbelt had a great day. Had, had really a couple of near misses with Texas State with a near miss at UTSA and South Alabama with a near miss at Tulane. Could have made for an unbelievable day for the belt. But, yeah, yeah going back to, to 96, the A&M game, I know people see my girth. They don't think I coached the wideouts. Like you said, you made the comment receiver coach. If you look at my bio, that's what it says. It does not say wide receiver coach because I didn't want that wide to be descriptive of me. <laughs> and so I uh, had a couple good players, had two guys, uh, Brandon Stokely being one of them, the head coach's son who ended up playing in the NFL. Uh, another guy named Donald Reshort who ended up playing in the NFL, made me a pretty good receiver coach. But uh, my son, who's 28 years old now, actually played for the Cages a few years back, uh, I remember after the game, you know, he's, he's hollering, Daddy, we shocked the world. And uh, and I'm holding him because he was born in 92, you know, so he's wow. four years old. And, and it is so the Cajun people didn't know how to act. So they came down to tear down the goalposts. And, and if you've ever been to Cajun Field, there's a tunnel on one side that goes up on a hill. On the other side, it's just an empty hill. And they go to the tunnel side of the goalposts, and the police aren't letting them tear it down, the campus police. 
So where I'm standing at the 50, just watching them, I'm mm -hmm. thinking, this is funny. They turn and come back towards us to go get the other goalpost. <laughs> and now I've got to hug my kid, you know, thinking we're going to get trampled. Right. They got it down. Chris, they got to the tunnel and it wouldn't fit. So it, it looked like the Budweiser hands and they're jamming it in the tunnel, got it up. It was, it was an unbelievable. They feeling. forgot to bring a handsaw. I mean, you got to come yeah, prepared. Come on. You just don't know what to do with it, you know? And, and uh, but no, it was, it was an awesome feeling as a coach. I know we came back a couple years later when I came back my third time coaching at UL. Then that was back at USL. Um, we beat Kansas State at the house. And that was a, you know, a late field goal by a player named Tyler Albrecht. Um, and then Tyler made a big kick there. I think we, I forget what the score, being like 15, uh, 16, 14, something like that, just by a couple of points. We didn't feel like that was a shock. The A&M game was a shock. This game yesterday, the first time the Cajuns were able to go on a road yep. and beat a ranked opponent, beat a power five opponent. And, and uh, that was a good game. And, and I told people before the game and everybody, you know, they said, well, the line, what do you think about the line? Look, and I tell don't bet what Gerald says because you're, you're destined to lose. But I said, you know, 11, 12 is really a lot of points. But I could see, Iowa State is more than capable. But you know what? If if it turns eleven or twelve the other way, that wouldn't shock me. I know you, it's going to be an upset only because of the rankings. But uh, Caden's got a few players that not, not a lot of people know about. You no, know, we talked about that on the show on Friday. That you know really wouldn't shock us tremendously if the Cajuns were able to to win that game. Somewhat in part to the fact that you know Iowa State is used to having a great home field advantage at Jack Trice. You take all that away. It's a sterile environment, and guys are having to create their own energy. How weird was that for you in the booth, and just what did you see on the field as far as how that translated? Uh, I'm, I'm glad you used the word sterile. I hadn't been able to figure out what to call it. I said awesomely creepy. Um, it was just, the, the, you know, across the way from where we were broadcasting was, was the band, the band, the cheer squad, uh, I guess the Palm Squad, because they were separated. They had two different groups of, 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 of kind of cheer people on either side of the band. Chris, they went from 10 to 10 on across the whole thing. So they were socially distanced. Under us was what we thought was all Iowa State families socially distanced. Uh, in the bottom corner over here was, was the, the Cajun families and maybe 35, 40, mm -hmm. you know, and so you, there was no, um, if, if not for the band, there'd have been no atmosphere. Looking at the sideline, you know, you always see those guys, especially the strength coach. Everybody's got the 100 strength coaches with the towels and the, all the equipment and all the, the – I'm not good at that. I'm just telling you what I know. But but the, I'm thinking, okay, who are you going to wave that towel at? You Because know, there's nobody up there to right. wave it. And um, it, was, it was a very sterile feel to it. And nobody – I think the first half of the game was kind of weird that way because nobody could get anything going. You know, Iowa State finally scores. The Cajuns answer with the kickoff return. But it's still, you know, towards the end of the half, Iowa State finally scores to get 14-7 late. Cajuns come back with a field goal right there towards the end of the half. But other than that, it was just kind of, bleh, you know, we're trying yeah. to build excitement into it. Um, now, the second half had its own if you're a Cajun. Different, though. Well, when you get into the late third quarter, Cajun's still down 14-10. Then that 78-yard touchdown pass gives you guys the lead. After – when you guys went to break on the radio broadcast after that score, just tell me about the looks you shared. And, I mean, I imagine at that point you're kind of looking around at Jay Walker, your partner, and thinking, man, this could really happen. Well, and, and, and when we 
and I say we, now I can say we, you know, when I worked for you a couple of games in the Southland <laughs> and I'm a big fan of Southland Conference, you have to be neutral. Uh, I, I've done some ESPN Plus games for the Cajuns, but you still have to be neutral because it's broadcast to both teams. Sure. When you're doing home radio, you don't have to be neutral, and that makes it a lot of fun. It makes it a lot so more fun doing the, doing the radio call for one of the, one of the teams. Oh, yeah, I'm used to being unbiased down the line, but you get to have fun. Yeah, and so and, and Jay Jay and I go a hundred years back. I mean, he umpired my baseball games growing up, and and uh, he's the guy who got me into broadcasting and stuff. And and you know, after Peter goes, and, and Peter's dad and I are really close, and we speak often. And and so I'm texting him. He actually couldn't make the game because of a family funeral. Uh, but I'm thinking, hey, look, your family member is dead. They're not going to know whether you're there or not. You should have come. <laughs> you know, and I know I shouldn't probably shouldn't say it that way, but but. But kind of minute. Uh, but then when you come back to it, and, and it wasn't so much that all, all the Cajuns needed was the lead because the defense was playing so well. And, you know, Patrick Tony, a young defensive coordinator, his first game as a coordinator, and really changed the tone at half, went from playing a lot of zone to playing a lot of man, uh, really challenged the Iowa State receivers. The Iowa State was uh, inexperienced at the receiver position. Had a good looking group of tight ends. Now I'm just telling you what I know. Basketball team want these cats, and uh, mm -hmm. but the best one they had wasn't playing. He, he didn't play for them. And, and look, you don't have to apologize if you're a kid. Oh well, Charlie Kohler wasn't there. Good for him. Okay, they can worry about that tomorrow. Uh, but but I think you know the Cajuns were able to, to really defend them with speed around the size. And and Chris, the big thing was they did it without interference. Had one interference call, which was a panic interference call. Got it really ball wasn't gonna be complete at all. Uh, but the you know Cajun defender just really got anxious and could feel himself getting beat and, and panicked his way into it. Other than that, it was just you know a lot of challenging. And you could kind of see on the sideline the coaches were hyping them up and getting them going and say, hey, you're, you're good enough now. You're good enough. And we Jay and I were very hesitant to say, we're going to win this thing. We didn't even want to say it to each other. You know, because right. you, and no, not that anybody's superstitious, but you just don't want to jinx anything. But, you know, Jay, Jay talked to Coach Napier before the game. And, and, he, and if you haven't met Billy Napier, that's a special experience when you get a chance to do so. Chris really is. But, but, but he tells Billy, he said, hey, why don't you go make a memory? And, um, you know, we kind of mentioned that a little bit. Um, you know, Cajuns have had some adversity, you know, had, had a coach die on the practice field young coach man and just uh, dj looney is his yeah no I, I did i definitely wanted to talk about dj looney and how much i mean the country is going through a pandemic all the racial injustice issues but this team had a real personal tragedy yeah. over the summer and dedicated this win to him yeah and dj was a guy and and um you know it was tough for us to talk about on the air don't sure. tell. tough for me to talk about now just and I wasn't close with him. I knew him. We met a few times and, you know, me, me being an old fat guy and offensive lineman. And then, you know, Coach Sale and I, offensive coordinator, offensive line guy, DJ worked with Coach Sale. You know, I would spend time, probably more time with Rob than I did with DJ. But he was one of those guys just young and infectious and his personality, his picture that he had on his bio is his hands open with a big old grin. And, and, and that's kind of how he was. Everybody just, just loved him. Uh, there's a guy that's coached all over Texas and, and been at several different schools named Les Kenning. His dad was big Les Kenning high school coach down in the Cypress region down in Houston. But little Les was at Mississippi State when DJ was a player. And he said, gee, he's just so special. He just, you know, he's got an infectious personality. And Chris, he's 31 years old and gone, you know, and has a heart attack. Look, it's one thing for him to be gone, but it happened on the field. 
sure. from practice, you know, and those guys came through it. Talking with Coach Sale when we started doing the COVID test, had to be tested three times during the week just to get on the plane. Everybody, I'm talking about administration, us, everybody. So I was talking with Coach Sale, the offense coordinator, about it. He said, you know, it's, it, it's tough enough with COVID. It's tough enough with this. And then you lose a coach. And, and you know, it's uh, – and, and DJ was a minority coach and, 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 and close with, with those kids. Helping those guys deal with what they're dealing with and being able to express themselves – he was a big voice with with the, the minority players. You know, I'm, I'm I'm a 58 year old white guy. You know that that coached a, a lot of different races and creeds and stuff. And and you try and communicate with him, but you know our experiences are so different. Where DJ's able to share his experience, though he was able to do that, and I, I know it, it meant a lot uh, to the players. It was hard on those guys, um, but to be able to to rally behind that, his memory was was really neat to see. Now, we're talking on Sunday mid-afternoon. The AP Top 25 just came out about 15 minutes ago, and the Cajuns are ranked 19th. There's still room for improvement. I mean, most times when a group of five team wins against a Power 5 program, it's because everything worked perfectly, but it really feels like the Cajuns may have only scratched the surface. Really, and look, and looking at it, and – hesitate a little bit to say too much because you kind of sound like you're not appreciative of winning the way you won, but there, there were two drop picks, one of which was going to be a pick six. Um, Cajuns really offensively let some things go. Levi Lewis has, has, has come a long, long way as a quarterback for the Cajuns. A little off early in the game. Now, you could see the, the pass he made to Peter. Peter was the most experienced receiver back for the K. Peter LeBlanc, the long touchdown. Peter mm -hmm. was the most experienced back for the Cajuns. The Cajuns have, were really depleted by graduation, you know, with, with Jamarcus Bradley, who's on the Browns uh, practice squad, but also with several injuries. And uh, But just getting used to the repetition of the guys, I think that's going to come as the season goes on. But there were missed opportunities out there on both sides of the ball. And also in the special teams, the Cajuns had the two turnovers, uncharacteristic of Iowa State, you know, to turn the football over. But the Cajuns got no points out of those two, Chris. So it's not like, you know, they turned the ball over and the Cajuns won because of the turn. No, they turned the ball over but didn't gain anything from it. Cajuns won because of special teams. Okay, and so you got a brand-new special teams coordinator. You move your special teams coordinator to your defensive coordinator. And and so you those are your two things, you know, defense and special teams and why the Cajuns won the game with two guys who are – 30 or younger, putting their first stamp on their, this is what it's going to be. I, 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 I told Coach Tony in the plans, that's going to be a hard one to top now. You know, your first one's going to be hard to top. But um, the game really could have been a lot, lot different. Iowa State's probably going to say the same thing, missed opportunities. Everybody gets them in the first, sure. time, first game. But, but with that being said, you know, the, if, if going into the year, you tell the Cajuns, how, how is it going to play out? When you look at the 11-game schedule, and look, on paper, we all understand, but it's on paper now. It's probably the most talented team the Cajuns are going to play. It's the ones they just walked away from. Yeah, and you go to Georgia State next yeah. week. They're not popping off the page like Iowa State, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. you, you, the Cyclones are, are going to be, at least in most people's eyes, the toughest opponent. But it's play between the lines. You worry about every single game, especially if you're a coach and you're looking at these young people who are just high as a kite after winning that game. If you're on, if you were on this staff, mm -hmm. what would you be doing tonight and Monday morning when these guys come back to the facility to make sure their heads are on straight and make sure they don't get caught 
at Georgia State next week? I think that, and, and people that do know will remember, the Cajuns beat Texas A&M a while back, came back and got beat by Southern Mississippi pretty handily, 50-something, 30-something in there. It might have been 50-something, 20-something. Um, everybody says, well, you celebrated too long. Look, I, I was at uh, USL different times for a long time, 16 different years as a coach. And uh, I, I'll never apologize. Well, 17, 18. I don't know. I'm old. Uh, I'll never <laughs> apologize for celebrating, you know, a win, especially a good win. Uh, but, but, but I think that, you know, I, I, I think Coach Napier and them handled it well last night because they, they celebrated in the locker room. But Chris, and I'm not just, this isn't just coach speak. By the time they got on the plane, it was business. Uh, coach Sale, the offensive line coach, was sitting with, with Coach uh, Tony. To, I mean, he's offensive line, offensive coordinator. Coach Tony, defense coordinator. So because of the limited people traveling, you don't have three people in the seat. It's only two. Well, one of the players is sitting between those two, and he's watching film with Coach Sale. And so they're already watching the game and seeing, seeing because, you know, the offensive line dominated the end of the game but really didn't play well throughout the, the whole game. And so they're looking to try and improve. And, and this is a team that can run the football that struggled to run the football last night or yesterday morning. And, and so I, it wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of hype. I think a lot of it too, uh, Chris, when we got home, it was misty, it was humid. There was no fans at the gate. You know, there wasn't like, you know, everybody's celebrating the win. They are, don't get me wrong, but because of COVID, you're not out. You don't have that. And the players aren't going to get to, you know, I'm just telling you what I know after that A&M game now, everybody in Lafayette claimed that they partied with the goalposts somewhere in town. Because right. Yeah, they're not going out to any parties. No, nobody's doing that. So everybody just went home. You know, you see it on ESPN. You get to watch it again if you want to. You know, mm -hmm. you get it game on again late last night. So you can watch it again if you want. And then the other thing that will catch your attention, this is a Georgia State team that you know in conference. You, you, the Cajuns have had some success against Georgia State. But – Got a new quarterback, so you don't really know what it is, but, but got nine other people back on offense, more than capable of scoring, got some talent back on defense, got beat by Wyoming and, and, and uh, the Arizona Bowl at the end of the year. But once you start watching them a little again, and look, the Sun Belt is, is competitive. Anybody can be – because you got some good teams. The Cajun App State really kind of separated the last couple of years from the others. But nobody walks away with it now. I mean, you're going to be challenged every week. And the belt, that's just kind of because, you know, it, it, it's a typical group of five league where you got some good players in there that got overlooked by a lot of people. And then they, they all play for pride. Yeah. And I mean, everybody, I think, that follows the Sun Belt really closely is already looking ahead to October 7th when you guys go back to Boone. But that's yeah. a long way off. There's still yeah. – there's two games between. We have plenty of time before we can start uh, previewing that one. But uh, for mm -hmm. now – Gerald, really appreciate it. Uh, good to catch up with you. It's been far too long. Yeah, you too. And I appreciate all you've done and helped me earlier, you know, get to, get to work <laughs> with you and your people a lot. I'm a big fan of the Southland, so peace and good luck. Well, man, I, you know, I've been away from the Southland for a little over a year now and uh, out on my own and, you know, worked with so many great people there, including some incredible broadcasters. And I was blessed to have you as, uh, as part of our team along the way. So uh, thanks again. And we'll, we'll talk to you down the line after another big Cajun win. Hope to. Yeah, please do. We continue our look at the Sun Belt Conference's 3-0 weekend versus Big 12 opponents. Arkansas State with a 35-31 win 
over Kansas State. Matt Stoltz is the voice of the Arkansas State Radio Network. Been doing that for 16 years. Matt, are you still riding high? Have you started to come back down to earth a bit? Well, still riding high today. It was a great day yesterday, certainly a statement win for Arkansas State. They saw it as an opportunity, and even though they were down 10 starters yesterday afternoon, able to go in and pick up uh, a win that certainly turned heads throughout the country. Now, I was hanging out with my dad all day. We had the game on, but it was muted, and I didn't know until afterwards that the Red Wolves were down by those 10 starters, which makes this win just even more remarkable. Did Blake Anderson hold it close enough to the chest where even you didn't know before kickoff, or did he let you in a little bit early? Well, I think I was one of the very few that knew just how bad it was as far as uh, the starters that were missing. And, you know, I think that's just kind of the new normal right now in college football. There's going to be players uh, that are going to be out every single week for every team. And I think that's the case, especially early on in the season. But it, I think it's going to come down to which teams can handle that adversity. And it'll come down to you know, the depth of a lot of uh, these teams' rosters. And, and fortunately, Arkansas State has some talent. They have some depth. And a lot of guys that uh, we really haven't seen before out on the field for the Red Wolves came through in a big way. That's the trust you gain, though, as the voice of a program. I come in as a neutral party doing a game for ESPN Plus, and there's no way Coach Anderson is telling me. So it's, I, I'm glad that you have the trust of, of the coaches there. You gain that after 16 years. Well, it's just part of it. I think that that's through relationships yep. and, and trust and uh, time. And I think that, uh, you know, when, when we go into a game, you know, we know – uh, going in, and, and obviously the broadcasters are going to know a couple hours before kick. The other broadcasters are going to know, but uh, at the same time, you know, we need to know that information yep. as uh, kickoff approaches. Just who's going to be uh, be available, who's not, and um, you know, in, in I think this new era uh, of college football, you need to be as informed as you possibly can. Two thirty to go. Red Wolves down three. What's the conversation like on the broadcast before Arkansas State gets the ball back? Well, two and a half minutes to go. You're only down three, and you've got all three timeouts. So I think it was a pretty comfortable situation. This is a very up-tempo offense. They were moving the ball well uh, all day long. They had upwards of 500 yards against Kansas State. So uh, I think it was a pretty comfortable feeling going into that final drive. And it's it, – a very interesting quarterback situation right now for Arkansas State. You've got two players that are more than capable of doing the job. I think, you know, if, if it were just one of them out there, then they could, you know, go and be a first-team all-conference quarterback. But we have the luxury of having two very good quarterbacks in Logan Bonner and Lane Hatcher. And the first two weeks, they've stuck with the rotation. You know, Logan Bonner will play two series. Lane Hatcher will come in and play the next one. And they haven't broken that cycle uh, for any situation so far. And it just so happened to be Lane Hatcher's turn. And I don't think anybody really gave any thought to it. It was just Lane's turn, and everybody knew he could, you know, drive the team down and get the winning score, and that's exactly what he did. 
I think so often you hear that old saying that if you have two QBs, you really don't have one. So what makes this the exemption? Why does it work for Arkansas State? Well, they both deserve playing time. And you go back a season ago, and Logan Bonner was the clear-cut starter. And he was off to a fantastic start. He tore a ligament in his thumb early on. And the injury just continued to get worse through the first four weeks. And uh, had to have surgery or was going to cause some permanent damage in his hand. And, you know, after four weeks, had to shut him down. And uh, he was on pace to be on a Sunbelt Player of the Year a season ago with the kind of numbers he was putting up. He had 10 touchdowns to just one pick playing with that torn ligament through the first four weeks. And then, you know, Lane Hatcher, who was a, a redshirt freshman, former walk-on, uh, took over the reins at quarterback and, you know, just a, did a phenomenal job. A-State ended up with eight wins, won the Camellia Bowl, and I think it, it was a good problem to have going into preseason camp, having two quarterbacks that uh, that have the talent they do fight for the job. And uh, Blake Anderson decided that he was going to play them both. And that's, you know, the way it's been the first two weeks. And uh, judging on the results so far, I would expect that to continue going forward. Yeah, you don't mess with success at this point. Uh, looking at Jonathan Adams' bio this morning before uh, we hopped on this call, two-time All-State in high school, 6A player of the year as a senior. I imagine he could have gone anywhere in the country, but he stays in Jonesboro to play for the Red Wolves, and we've seen the results. How did Arkansas State convince him to stay in town? Well, he had some schools looking at him, but really, I mean, he was a two-star recruit. I mean, there just weren't a whole lot of uh, offers out there. And look, Jonathan Adams' dad went to Arkansas State. He's the fourth leading rusher in A-State history. So uh, That explains a lot, that family connection. A hometown kid. He went to Jonesboro High School. So, you know, for him to stay in Jonesboro was a big deal. And it's been fun to watch him kind of flourish over the past few seasons. Uh, he's always shown the talent in practice. Uh, I think he was arguably the third best receiver in the league last year. It just happened to be, you know, the third best receiver on the team as well because Arkansas State had a couple of guys in Omar Bayless and Kurt Merritt that put up numbers that merited the two best single season performances by receivers in school history. And uh, Omar Bayless broke every record in the book, both uh, school records and Sunbelt Conference records. So, um, you know, to lose those two guys to graduation, now it's Jay Adams' turn. And he's a senior. Uh, he worked hard in the offseason. He knew that uh, it was his chance to be the guy. He's the alpha dog now. And I think he stepped up with a performance that, you know, nobody's going to forget anytime soon yesterday afternoon. Next up is Central Arkansas. The Bears won last time they went to Jonesboro back in 2016. Obviously, the teams have completely turned over, but it's still a really good FCS squad, and they're going to be very hungry. Yeah, this is one of the best FCS teams in, in the nation. So uh, I think it's cause for concern because uh, we know we're going to get UCA's best shot. They do not have a conference season this year. Uh, they are uh, out to make a statement, especially after Arkansas State had so many national headlines uh, last week following the win over Kansas State. They see this as their opportunity to go out and uh, get some 
statewide attention and, you know, some national attention on top of that. But I think UCA is a very good program. Uh, it's going to be a very good matchup. You mentioned what happened last time out, which was 2016. Uh, UCA won that game in Jonesboro. And in that game, A-State turned it over four or five times mm -hmm. and uh, ran out of time at the end of the ball game. So uh, UCA uh, certainly remembers that. They want to duplicate that. But uh, believe me, Blake Anderson will have – his team ready, he's going to remind them of what happened four years ago. Oh, no doubt. And, uh, you know, the schedule for you guys, it ends up being pretty brutal when you look at what the, uh, what the Sun Belts accomplished so far. The Red Wolves have to go to Coastal, App State, and UL Lafayette. I mean, the Sun Belts on everybody's radar right now, so you guys don't beat each other up too much. You can see a possible bid to the New Year's Six Bowl out of the, this conference, I'd imagine. Well, it's a very young league still. And, you know, this, this is, as you mentioned, my 16th year at Arkansas State. But, you know, the league's been around, as far as football, just over 20 years. So I think you've seen it over the past handful of years. Arkansas State and the rest of the Sunbelt schools have had success in the postseason. I mean, uh, the Sunbelt's record in bowl games the last three or four years is as good as any a conference there is out there and for them to go three and oh against the big 12 uh, this past week really shows the kind of talent there is in this league there's some good teams in this league coastal carolina appalachian state uh, louisiana lafayette being three of them but uh, there's a lot more talent on top of that with uh, the georgia southerns and troys and you know it's going to be a dogfight and it, i'm really interested to see how this thing's going to play out all right, Matt, really appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully we run each other, run into each other down the line here uh, this season. But uh, good luck this weekend to the Red Wolves against UCA. They're, like you said, the men in purple are going to come in and put up a really good fight. Uh, hopefully we can talk later in the season. Thank you, sir. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. To round out week two in college football and the Sun Belt's 3-0 record against Big 12 opponents. Coastal Carolina knocked off Kansas 38-23. Of course, we had Jamie Chadwell, the head coach of the Chanticleers, on the program on Friday, so we don't have a guest from Coastal today. No doubt we'll be having somebody from the program on again in a future weeks if they continue this success. But that's two years in a row that the Chanticleers have gone into Lawrence and won. And now, at least by contract, assuming the game remains on, Kansas will go to Coastal Carolina in 2021 with the Shants having a chance at knocking off the Jayhawks for a third consecutive season. We're taping on Sunday afternoon. The AP Top 25 just came out earlier today. And looking at the group of five teams in the poll, Central Florida, or as they like to be referred to, UCF, is the top-ranked team out of group of five leagues. The Knights are 13th. They're followed immediately by Cincinnati and Memphis. So 13, 14, 15, all out of the American Athletic Conference. 
Memphis is the only one of them that has actually played a game as they knocked off Arkansas State. But the Tigers will not play their scheduled game against Houston coming up on Saturday. But to round out the rest of the top 25 from Group of Five Leagues, Louisiana Lafayette is number 21. And I know, you know, Gerald refers to them as Louisiana and UL. I still just can't do it. We'll get more into that later. But, uh, you know, didn't want to get into that too many details on the naming controversy with Gerald when we're uh, riding the high of a Raging Cajun victory uh, from Saturday at Iowa State. Appalachian State is number 23. So that is five group of five teams ranked in the top 25 by the Associated Press, three out of the American, two out of the Sun Belt. And again, Memphis was supposed to play Houston this coming weekend and would have been a really big game in the American. But Memphis has had some positive COVID-19 tests. They had to call things off. Houston, though, will play on Saturday. They picked up a game at Baylor, and that will be the big noon kickoff on Big Fox. So noon Eastern, 11 Central in Waco. We'll preview the rest of the weekend's action on our Friday edition of Group of Five Live, scheduled to have Dave Barnett on the show. He is the voice of North Texas Mean Green. They are set to host SMU this coming Saturday in what is always a great rivalry game in Dallas-Fort Worth. So we look forward to talking to you then. Group 5 Live is part of the Landry Football Network. Subscribe to Landry's Football Conference Call wherever you get podcasts, and you'll get not only this show, but all the programs dedicated to Power 5 Leagues and other college football analysis. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.